premillennial, pre-tribulational, dispensational, independent, and standing on the inspired, preserved Word of God, the King James Bible, as our final authority, this is the Sword of the Spirit Podcast with your host and Bible teacher, Joseph Rusiello. Take your Bible, sit back, and join us as we open and study the Word of God. And now, here's your host. Hey folks, this is Joe Russiello, and it is great to be with you once again as we open up and study the precious Word of God, your King James Bible. And you know, folks, as always, wherever you are, whenever you are, and on whatever platform it is you find yourself listening to us on, it's always my prayer that you also find yourself in the grace and in the mercy of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. All right, folks, we are broadcasting to you live from the Asylum Studios here in the heart of Southwest Texas, the beautiful city of Eagle Pass. Now, folks, we had a great show last week uh, on our Thursday night Bible study. We went from uh, a really amazing and wonderful study of the book of Revelation. We, we jumped on into a study of the dispensations, and uh, we started talking about uh, dispensationalism. We started talking about the various dispensations that are found in your Bible, and uh, we found the four places that the word is used in the Bible, the word dispensation. And how in every case, its context uh, deals with a period of time. And we also discussed uh, what those periods of time or how God deals with mankind in the area of salvation in that period of time. Uh, We also studied the earth in its original creation and found out by examining various scriptures that it was a perfect creation. And then we talked about the fall of Satan and the chaotic condition and God's judgment on that original creation. And then we wrapped it all up with a talk about the recreation and the creation of man. Now, tonight on our Thursday night Bible study, we're going to take a closer look at the Edenic dispensation and then the ultimate fall of man. But before we get into tonight's Bible study, I'm going to ask you to do just a couple of things for me. First of all, would you please visit our website, com, And when you get over there, head over to the contact section. And why don't you send us over a message? Let us know whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, any questions, comments, cares, or concerns that you might have. And also, uh, don't forget to send over those prayer requests. Um, and if you don't like to use the web form, hey, that's fine. You can always email me directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. That's info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Now, folks, also, while you're on the website, if you would, would you please look for that Support This Podcast button? And then when you find it, would you consider supporting us with a small monthly contribution? And you can set that up for $0.99, $4.99, or $9.99 a month. 
Now, I know that the economy is tight for everybody. It's a little hard to make uh, a commitment to a monthly contribution. Uh, but if you can't do a monthly uh, recurring contribution, maybe you can do a one-time contribution. And you could do that by clicking on the Waygiver button or by scanning the Cash App QR code, which is also on our website. So why don't you pray about it? And if the Lord leads you to do it, and if you found these podcasts to have been a blessing to you in any way, or the live broadcast to be a blessing to you in any way, and if you'd like to become an active part of this ministry, your contribution will go a very, very long way, and I would be extremely thankful for it. Now, uh, in the area of being thankful for your contributions, uh, we would love to give a shout-out tonight to uh, a new contributor. Uh, Catherine, thank you so very much for your recurring monthly contribution. God bless you, and thank you so very much. All right. Thank you again, Catherine, for your contribution. God bless you. All right. Now, folks, first and foremost, I want to say thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we always like to take a moment here before we get into the rest of the opening of the show uh, to say thank you to the Lord. And uh, as always, I want to thank the Lord Jesus for, first of all, for the gift of salvation that he gave to me by dying on the cross of Calvary, by shedding his perfectly sinless blood and paying my sin debt. And folks, he did it not only for me, but he did it for you as well. And all you need to do is put your full faith, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and accept that free gift of salvation. There's absolutely no reason why anybody should end up in hell. There's no reason for it, especially when God has made it so incredibly simple to not go to heaven. Uh, to not go to hell, to avoid going to hell and, uh, and, and find your place in heaven. God made it so simple. All it is is by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. The Bible tells us that in God's estimation, uh, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, uh, that there is none that doeth good. No, not one. I mean, the Bible is not exactly a book that boosts your uh, self-image, does it, at times? <laughs> of course not. Uh, that's why the, the Bible's rejected by so many people. That's, uh, that's exactly the reason, because it doesn't uh, coddle the self-image, doesn't you know, make you feel so great about yourself all the time. It is a two-edged sword. So uh, you, all you need to do, folks, please... Don't go to hell. All you need to do is put your full faith, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, also, I want to say thank you to the Lord Jesus for, uh, for giving me this ministry. This is an, a, an incredible ministry uh, to be blessed with, and the Lord has certainly, certainly blessed me with it. And I am just unbelievably grateful to the Lord for it. Uh, through this ministry, I have met some amazing people. And I am so thankful for the fellowship and for the friendship of, of uh, fellow podcasters and for the folks that uh, tune into all of our shows that, that, uh, that message me on a regular basis. I love having the interactions that we have. Uh, it, it's been a real blessing. And the only way that could have happened is if the Lord allowed it to happen. And he did. And I am incredibly thankful for that. 
I also want to say thank you, of course, to all of our current supporters, those of you who support us prayerfully. Thank you so much for your prayers, and God bless you. So please keep praying for us. Please keep, keep praying for this ministry. Please keep praying for my family. And, of course, please keep praying for me as we uh, continue on uh, with new studies and developing new segments for our, for our, uh, our little podcast here. Uh, thank you so much for your prayers. I also want to say thank you to uh, everyone who supports us financially already. God bless you for your financial support, and thank you so much for it. And uh, uh, without your financial support, uh, there's a lot of stuff that we wouldn't be able to do, like uh, purchasing Bibles for folks that, uh, that are looking for a good King James Bible and uh, you know, for the materials that we send out. Uh, it's been a real blessing to be able to do those things, and a lot of that has to do with your monthly contributions. So thank you so very much for it. I also, of course, want to say thank you to all of our listeners, every single one of you who tune in faithfully to uh, pretty much everything that we put out there. Thank you so very much for listening in. Thank you for the plays, the downloads. Thank you for keeping us on the charts with with our Good Pods platform. Thank you for... um, for helping us by boosting up on our boosting up our search algorithms, it's it's been a real blessing. We've added on so many so many new listeners over the last couple of weeks, and it's been a, a real blessing. And I'm just unbelievably humbled by it. Thank you so very much. And uh, you know, however it is that you're listening, whether it's on Good Pods, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, or or whatever your favorite podcast platform platform is we are pretty much on all of them at this point um it's it's a real blessing and uh wherever it is that you're listening please please be sure to like subscribe and share it with your friends your family and your followers that way you'll help us spread the gospel of the lord jesus christ all right folks how about some announcements Sorry, I needed to get some water there. All right. Now, uh, Thursday nights, our Thursday night Bible study meets every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, we are now into our, well, today will be our second show uh, in our study of the dispensations. And uh, this is a great study, and I'm really, really looking forward to each Thursday night for it. And I hope you are, too. Now, uh, as I said earlier, last week we got into uh, the pre-Adamic uh, dispensation, uh, and uh, which was kind of a hard study to do to start off with because there's really very little information available to us uh, on the pre-Adamic dispensation. And, uh, but it was a great study. It was really interesting, and uh, I did get some good feedback on it, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much for it. And uh, tonight we'll be getting into uh, the Edenic Dispensation, the Garden of Eden, the Fall of Man. Uh, it's going to be a really good study, and I, and I hope you're looking forward to it as much as I am. Also, our Sermon Sunday broadcast every Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 
well, where can you find us? Well, you can go to our website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com, and you can listen in on our live player on our homepage. Or you could uh, head over to Spreaker.com, and you can find us there by searching for the Sword of the Spirit podcast. And uh, if you have an active Spreaker account and uh, you log in to listen on Spreaker, you can jump on into that chat room and uh, we can interact during the course of the show. So it's a, it's a real blessing to be able to do that. So uh, Thursday night, Bible study, 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, Sermon Sunday, 3 p.m. Central Time, and 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, folks, if you are in the Eagle Pass area and you're looking for a good King James Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church, why don't you consider paying us a visit over at First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass? We meet at 664 North Monroe. Our Sunday school hour starts at 10 a.m. Our worship service begins at 11 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. And our Wednesday night Bible study meets at 7 p.m. Now, for more information, all you need to do is visit the church's Facebook page. And to do that, just log into Facebook, search for First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass. And then once you're there, you're going to find a lot of really, really helpful information, as well as episodes of this podcast. And of course, we always are thankful to the folks at First Baptist Church and our pastor, John Monk, for allowing us the opportunity to post the show on the church's Facebook page. Uh, we don't have a Facebook page. Uh, we don't really need a Facebook page. And more importantly, I don't want one. So um, it's been a blessing that the church allows us to use theirs. And uh, we've, we've had some good in- interactions on there as well. Real blessing. Now, folks, if you are interested in prepping, I would like to tell you about the Contra Radio Network. The Contra Radio Network is a single podcast that houses nearly a dozen talented podcasts and vidcast hosts and artists from around the country who release content pretty much daily. The Contra Radio Network releases 15 to 20 shows a week depending on current events, and there are absolutely no issues that are off-limits. If you want a breakdown of current events, we got it. If you want to know more about preparedness and self-sufficiency, well, we got that too. If you want a guy driving around ranting like a lunatic, well, strangely enough, we have that. Now, if you want to hear more about politics, sports, Bible studies, camping, firearms, and more, the Contra Radio Network has it all covered in spades. Where do you find them? Well, they're available on all of your major podcasting platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Or you could visit their website at crn.best. That's crn.best. All right, folks, the uh, Three Pillars podcast uh, put out by my good friend and brother in Christ, Chase Tobin, uh, focuses on your personal growth, utilizing the three pillars of fitness, spiritual, mental, and physical. Uh, Brother Chase drops a new episode every Friday morning, and uh, I am looking forward to tomorrow's episode. Uh, You can find him on YouTube at uh, Three Pillars Podcast. You could also find them on Rumble, which I would recommend uh, more than YouTube at this point. Uh, Rumble, you can find him at Three Pillars Podcast. You could also check out his website at threepillarspodcast.wordpress.com. So the Three Pillars Podcast, every Friday morning, discussing your spiritual, mental, physical, personal growth. Make sure you check them out. You won't be disappointed.
All right, folks, uh, don't forget to head over to our website and look for that programming announcements subscription box. Uh, all you need to do is just fill that out and get on our mailing list, and uh, we will send you updates and information regarding the show. Uh, we're not going to spam you. It's not going to cost you anything. It's absolutely free. And we're not going to sell your information or share it with anyone. Uh, the list is basically just to inform you of any changes to the show, whether it's a cancellation, whether it's uh, changing the date, or uh, a late start, early start, whatever the case may be. We find that that's the best way to reach you is through the programming announcements. So why don't you get on the mailing list? That way you'll stay in the know. All right. Also, don't forget to uh, check out the Sword Swag section on our website. And uh, on the Sword Swag page, you'll find these great uh, ceramic Sword of the Spirit podcast coffee mugs that I have right here in my, uh, my sweaty little hand. And uh, today's broadcast beverage, by the way, is uh, a Starbucks iced coffee, which is fantastic. So uh, we need it tonight. Mm. Great. Okay. Uh, And you can get one of those coffee mugs for a $25 contribution right now. Uh, It will be going up uh, sometime next month, and we will let you know when that takes place and how much. All right. And also, if you'd like to get one of our Sword of the Spirit podcast T-shirts, well, you can get that for a $35 contribution. All you need to do to get either item or both, you can just click on the info button, send over a message to us, let us know what it is you're looking for. We'll send you back the link where you can make your contribution, and then we will get that sent out to you as quickly as we possibly can. All right. Well, we got through our announcements And uh, that will take us to our first short break of the evening. And when we come back from this break, we'll be getting into our prayer requests. And then we'll be moving on into our study of the Edenic Dispensation. All right, folks, this is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. That way you'll help us spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll see you in just a few minutes.
Amen, amen, and amen. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Ruscello, and it is great to be here with you guys once again as we uh, head on over into our prayer, uh, prayer request section and segment of our show. Now, uh, as always, we want to get into our prayer section and we talk about those folks that are in need of salvation. That is the single most important prayer request uh, that we pray over. And it's important because salvation is the single most important decision that you're ever going to make. And uh, uh, it's, a, it's a decision that has eternal consequences. It has absolute eternal consequences. You can go through your life, you can keep rejecting the gospel, you can keep uh, rejecting the, the free gift that God has provided to you, and uh, you will find yourself waking up in an eternity in hell. And that's not something that you need to do. God has provided a way for you to avoid hell. Hell is not going to be a party place. Hell is not going to be a place where you're going to be uh, hanging out with your friends, uh, playing poker, you know, drinking, and you know, all the other stuff that people think hell is going to be. Hell is the worst place imaginable. Hell is a place that the Bible says is, uh, is a place where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And if you know what that means, you know, just think about gritting your teeth and, and, and trying to shout through you know, your, your teeth totally clenched together from the pain that you're going to be enduring in hell. It's not a place that you want to go. It's not a funny thing to think about. It's not a funny thing to talk about. And honestly, I don't even like talking about hell. I talk about it a lot because Jesus Christ talked about it a lot. Did you know that, that Jesus Christ himself spoke more about hell than he did about heaven? That's how important it is. That's how serious it is. So, folks, please, this is not a decision that you, you have to make lightly. This is a serious decision you have to make. Do you want to spend an eternity in heaven with God? Or do you want to spend an eternity in hell? The worst place imaginable. Now, if you live here in Eagle Pass, you know that it gets pretty hot around here. And I frequently joke that it's a few degrees cooler than hell. It's hot here. It's very hot. But hell is infinitely hotter. Folks, you don't want to go to hell. Please don't go to hell. Put your full faith, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. God manifest in the flesh. Just think about that. In the Psalms, it says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Why would God, the creator of everything around us, put on human flesh, human form, come to this world 
to be abused and beaten, spit upon, ultimately crucified and buried for man because he loves us, because he created us. And all that he asks is that you trust him. Put your full faith, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he'll save you. He will absolutely save you. No question about it. Now, in our prayer list, I know that there are more people out there that are, that are in need of salvation. I know that there are people that are listening to the show that aren't saved, that need to be saved but they're not on our prayer list. Now, folks, if you're working on somebody, if you're witnessing to somebody and you got somebody that, uh, that, that you're praying about for yourself, let us know who that is and we'll put them on our prayer list and we'll pray for them. God has been working through our prayer list, folks. I don't know if you've been paying attention to it, but he certainly has. Now, tonight... We're going to be praying for David up in New York City. We're praying for all of the unsaved members of the Baldino family. We're praying for Manuel's mother. We're praying for Sharon. And we're praying for, uh, for Adam's father. Uh, those are the folks that are on our prayer list right now for salvation. And again, I know there's others out there. So why don't you send them on over to us? Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for the gift of salvation. Father, we thank you uh, for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Heavenly Father, we just pray tonight for David. Lord, we pray that you would remove the scales from his eyes, that he would see the truth. Father, we pray for the unsaved members of the Baldino family. Lord, I know that they have heard the gospel. I know that they have been witness to. Lord, we pray that... uh, that, that that seed that has been planted there, Father, we just pray that, uh, that you would cultivate that seed, Lord, and that it would grow, and that, Lord, you would reap that harvest. Father, we pray for Manuel's mom. Lord, we know that Manuel has been talking to his family about their salvation, and, Father, we just pray that you would continue to, to uh, give him the boldness that he needs to do that. It's not the easiest thing. It is not the easiest thing. So, Lord, we just pray for for Manuel's mom, and, Lord, we pray for Manuel as well, that uh, you would uh, give him that boldness. Father, we pray for Sharon. Sharon needs to get saved, Lord. We just pray that you would uh, use the folks around her to lead her to Christ. And, Father, of course, we pray for Adam's father. Lord, we just lift him up to you tonight. We ask you to to save him today as well. Lord, and use Adam as a good testimony to the grace and the mercy of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Father God, we just pray that, uh, that uh, through Adam's testimony and, uh, Lord, that through Adam's words, Lord, that uh, you would save his dad. Lord, we thank you so much for all of those that are listening, that are not saved. Father, we pray that you would use this show in a, in a, in a, in a great and a powerful way to, to reach them, Lord. We pray that, Lord, you would give us the words to speak as we talk about salvation and lord we just pray that you would draw them in and lord that they would be saved and when they get saved lord they would let us know so we can send them a bible it would be a tremendous blessing for us and lord we hope for them as well and lord we will thank you for it in jesus name amen 
All right. Uh, we are going down our, uh, to our sick list uh, tonight. We are going to be praying for Pastor Martin. Uh, we're praying for his, uh, for his overall health. We're praying that the Lord will uh, just uh, bring, bring uh, some comfort to him, that he would strengthen him. Lord, that uh, we pray that the Lord would uh, just uh, bring him comfort with his heart condition, with his eczema, with his, uh, with his poor vision, and give him the strength that he needs to continue to serve. Pastor Martin, at his age, goes out every week and street preaches, 89 years old. He goes out and street preaches. Uh, he still reads his Bible, 10 chapters every day, even though he can barely see the words in front of him. It may take him all day to do it, but he does it every single day. So we want to pray for Pastor Martin. We're also praying for my sister Laura with uh, some back issues. We're praying for uh, Diana, Adam's mother, uh, with an infection. Uh, we're praying for Laura with cancer. We're praying for Janae with a heart condition. Sharon Baldino with cancer. Martin Mata with lymphoma. Uh, Daniel Villarreal uh, with leukemia. Alex Ortiz uh, with, uh, with, with some health concerns. I have to update uh, uh, for Alex. And uh, also for Diego Ortiz, we have to update on, on him as well. But we're going to continue to pray for him until uh, we get those updates. We're also praying for Juan with uh, with cancer. We're praying for a uh, good brother in Christ, Reuben, good friend of mine as well, uh, with a with a severely pinched nerve in his shoulder. We're praying for Patricia Alvarado with uh, kidney problems. We're praying for Tina with cancer. We're praying for, uh, for Walter, uh, who has some shoulder pain from a fall. And we're also praying for Jerry Torres uh, recovering from a broken leg. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much, Lord, that you are the God of answered prayer. We thank you, Father, that you are uh, the great physician. And, Lord, we just lift up all of those on our prayer list today with, uh, with their health concerns. Lord, we pray for those with cancer that you would bring healing, that you would touch their bodies, Lord, that you would bring them comfort as they go through the various treatments that they're going through. Lord, uh, we pray for those with heart conditions. Lord, we pray for them. Lord, we just ask you just to uh, just to bring uh, bring a, bring healing, Lord, and bring comfort as well. We pray for uh, for those with infections, Lord, that you would heal. We pray for those, Lord, um, that are recovering uh, from uh, from falls and with broken legs. And Lord, we just lift them up to you tonight, and we pray for them, Father God. We just pray them pray for them that they would be healed. And Lord, of course, if there's any on that list that don't know Jesus Christ, we pray for them as well. Father God, we thank you so much for all that you do, and we ask you this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, we're also going to be praying for uh, for my brother-in-law Jude for his business uh, up in New York City. It's his contracting business. Uh, we're also praying for a great brother in Christ, Federico Salinas. We're praying for the Lord to protect him and hedge him about. We're praying for uh, Brother Aldo and his business here in Eagle Pass, a pro-HVAC. Uh, we're also praying for uh, Brother Hector uh, as he's uh, back to work on the job, and we're thankful for him and thankful for all that he does. And uh, we're going to pray that the Lord will protect him and hedge him about. We're praying for uh, Brother Alex uh, as an effective witness at the workplace. We're praying for Manuel's walk with the Lord, Jessica's walk with the Lord. We're praying for Liz in her financial manner. We're praying for, uh, for Angela and Gabby with the classes that they're in right now for their job. And uh, Ruby has asked for prayer for her daughter 
uh, who will be heading off to college uh, in the coming week. So, Heavenly Father, uh, we also want to pray for uh, for for uh, uh, Jasmine's three little little girls and uh, little boys. I'm sorry. We're also praying for Jasmine's Jasmine's parents. Now, if you don't remember who Jasmine is, or if you're new to the show, uh, Jasmine is a is a is a beautiful young woman that we've been praying for, uh, who uh, eventually passed away. And uh, her family was devastated by that, of course, as, as we all were. And we had been praying for her health. We had been praying for her salvation. Uh, and uh, she left behind three boys and, of course, the rest of her family. So we want to pray for them tonight as well. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much, Lord, that you are the God of answered prayer again. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you do for us, for providing comfort to us, for uh, for uh, uh, or for demonstrating your perfect love for us in every way possible by allowing us the opportunity to breathe every day, for waking up every day, for, 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 for providing for us, for providing food, for, for providing clothing and shelter, Lord, and for uh, providing our jobs. Lord, we thank you so much for everything that you do for us. Well, tonight, Lord, we just come before you and uh, once again, it throws the, prone of, the throne of grace and, uh, Lord, we pray tonight for, for uh, Jasmine's uh, three boys, and we pray for her family, Lord, as they are still uh, grieving uh, her loss. Lord, we pray for, uh, for Ruby's daughter, Cloud, as she's heading off to college. We pray for Angela and Gabby for the classes that they're in. We pray for Liz and her financial concerns. We lift her up to you tonight, Lord. We ask you to help to bring that to a close. Lord, we pray for Jessica for her walk with the Lord. We're praying for Manuel as well for his walk with the Lord. We're praying for Alex uh, as uh, for the Lord to use him as an effective witness at the workplace. We lift up Brother Hector. We ask you to protect him as he's out on the job and uh, to bring him home safely. We we pray for uh, a hedge of protection around him and Brother Federico Salinas as well. Lord, we just pray that you would uh, protect them and their families as they seek to serve the Lord. We pray for Brother Aldo and uh, my brother-in-law, Jude and their business uh, uh, up in New York and here in Eagle Pass. We pray that you would prosper them and bless the work of their hands. Father, we just thank you so much for all that you do. We ask you, Lord, today to please answer prayers on our behalf for your glory, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, and then uh, rounding up our prayer list, we're going to be praying for all of the unspoken prayers of our hearts. Uh, now, on our prayer list tonight for our unspoken prayers, now all the unspokens are just perhaps you don't have the words to describe the exact need, or maybe it's extremely personal, and uh, not everyone needs to know all the details of it. But uh, tonight we're praying for Eduardo Rodriguez, we're praying for Larissa, we're praying for Hector, Manuel, Angela, Lauda, Maria, Uriel, Adam, and uh, Esme has an unspoken prayer for her son, Fernando. So, Heavenly Father, we just commit all of these unspoken prayers to you tonight. Lord, we know that you know exactly what the need is, and we ask that you answer those prayers according to your perfect will for us and for our lives, and Lord, that you would receive all of the honor and the glory that you deserve. Father God, we also pray for tonight's Bible study. We pray, Father, that you would bless the study as it goes out. 
Lord, I pray for, uh, for myself tonight, Lord. I'm fumbling and stumbling around with my words tonight, Lord. I pray that you would loose my tongue as, uh, as uh, we're about to study the Word of God tonight. I ask you, Lord, to please bless the reading and the teaching of your Holy Word tonight. Father, I just also pray that, uh, that tonight's lesson would be a great blessing to any of those that are listening. And Lord, that uh, you would speak to hearts tonight through the message, Lord, and that uh, if there's any that are not saved, that tonight would be the night that they do come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And Father God, we would just thank you so much for, uh, for answering all of these prayers. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. All right, folks, uh, that will uh, do it for our prayer requests, and I'm sure I'm going to hear a loud amen from most of you because I really was just not on point tonight with it, and I apologize for that. But uh, we're going to take our second break here, and that'll give you a chance to go get your King James Bible, grab yourself a cup of coffee, maybe... uh, Maybe a bottle of water, too. I think I'm going to do that. And when we come back, we're going to get into today's Bible study on the dispensations. And uh, we're going to be discussing the Edenic dispensation. All right. Now, folks, this is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. That way you'll help us to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, don't forget, if you're on Spreaker, jump on into that chat group and uh, say hello. Let us know you're in there. Uh, And uh, if you are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, uh, Good Pods later on on the podcast version, and you feel like we deserve a good review, maybe not a five-star tonight. We're really all over the place. But uh, if you feel like we deserve a, a, a good star rating, why don't you give us that rating? Drop us off a comment in the comment section. And uh, we would really, really appreciate your feedback. All right, folks, don't forget, we'll be back. Don't go away.
I can't help but think about the Lord and all the things He's done. He meets my every need. You know He's been so good to me, and I can't help but praise the Lord for all He's done. For all He's still be many more if i could mention only one i'd have to thank him for his son and that's enough to praise the lord for all he's done for all he's the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you food to support you and comfort to cheer you it is the traveler's map the pilgrim's staff the pilot's compass 
the soldier's sword and the Christian's character. Christ is its subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is given to you in life, will be open in the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and condemns all who trifle with its holy precepts. The King James Bible, God's Holy Book. Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Russiello, and uh, we are going to get into uh, part two of our uh, series on dispensations. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting into this, and I, and I hope you are too. Uh, we're going to uncover a few things in here that maybe you've not heard before. So I uh, hope you're ready. hope you buckle in. Uh, now, last week, when we uh, first started the series, you know, we just got kind of got into this study on the dispensations. And, um, you know, the uh, dispensations or dispensational truth is, is a study of the dispensations or the times that are set forward in the Bible. All right. And uh, last week, you know, we, we, we talked about what the word dispensation means from a biblical viewpoint. And we found in the uh, in the four places that the word is used in the Bible, in in every case, its context deals with a period of time. So you know we could see that what Paul said when he said, you know, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, is uh, is perfectly applicable because there are more divisions in the Bible than just the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, that's why Paul told Timothy to learn how to rightly divide the word of truth. And, you know, it's really not as complicated as uh, some people might think, to be honest. Uh, It's simply just a matter of studying to show yourself approved. And as as people will do that, uh, the more they study the divisions or the dispensations become pretty obvious. Now, some dispensations are obvious even to the casual observer of the Bible. You know, even the casual observer knows that the tribulation is a different dispensation. Isn't that right? Uh, Just about, you know, uh, just like almost anyone knows that the tribulation is is a future dispensation. Uh, and if you have someone that studies a little bit more, they know that the millennium is a future dispensation. And uh, you know, perhaps he knows that from the time of Moses until the time of Christ was a dispensation of the law. Uh, but really, that's about as, as much as most people realize or understand when it comes to the dispensations. But of course, the fact of the matter is, there are far more dispensations than that in the Bible. And uh, we're going to examine each one of them for, uh, for uh, in examining them, we're going to find that things change. 
as far as God's dealing with man from age to age. You know, we find that 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 uh, in some ages God doesn't speak. Uh, there was a 400-year period from Malachi to Matthew where God didn't say a word to anybody. On other occasions, God says a great deal. So there, there's really a lot to learn about this. And you might be asking yourself, well, you know, why are we going to study this? Well, you study it, uh, uh, and as you study it, a lot of information unfolds that'll help you understand your Bible and, and uh, you know, reconcile so-called contradictions in your Bible. Now, now there aren't any contradictions in your Bible. There, there just aren't any. And, you know, I've dealt with people over the years that have told me that there were. And I, I have a standard approach for people like that. You know, uh, when they come to me and they say, well, you know, there's contradictions in, in your Bible there. Well, I just go, I find the nearest Bible, I put it in their hands, and I say, okay, show me one. And I have yet to have anyone show me one. I haven't found anybody to do, to do it. Although they're quick to tell me that the Bible is full of contradictions, they have not been able to produce one. As a matter of fact, I, I know where a lot more quote-unquote contradictions are than the critics do. But of course, you know, the truth of the matter is they're not contradictions because there is reconciliation. And the reconciliation is offered in the Bible itself if you'll study to show thyself approved. Now, what we studied last week, in, in just a, a really very, very, very quick review, uh, we studied last week the earth in its original creation, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And we found out by examining various scriptures that this was a perfect creation. And we also discovered that the individual who ruled over this creation under the auspices of God uh, so, in, in other words, God gave him the position of being a king, all right? And God does that often. So you, you say then, well, if God is the omnipotent potentate of the universe, well, then how can anyone else be king? Well, God allowed Saul to be king. God allowed David to be king. God allowed Solomon and Jeroboam to be kings. You see, so, so God allows folks to be king. He allowed Lucifer to be a king. And he was a king, essentially, over two kingdoms. Uh, he was the king over a spiritual kingdom in the respect that there were spiritual beings in his dominion. All right, and well, how do I know that there were spiritual beings? Well, I know that because of Job chapter 1 and chapter 2, uh, when it says that they were sons of God. That's how I know they were spiritual beings. I also know he was the king over a physical kingdom. And, and later, when you get to the book of Matthew, this particular kingdom is referred to as the kingdom of heaven. So that's a physical kingdom. Now, if you remember, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were, when we were going through uh, the book of Revelation, we talked uh, at great length about this kingdom of heaven. It's a physical kingdom. So he was the king over a two-dimensional kingdom, a spiritual kingdom and a physical kingdom. And his physical kingdom was the earth. But there was a time, perhaps in the dim, dark past, 
I have no idea how long it was. Perhaps it was 6,000 years ago. Maybe it was 8,000 year ago, years ago. Maybe it was 10, you know, or 4 million. I, I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't know. And you know something? It's really not important as far as I'm concerned. But somewhere, somewhere back yonder, Satan, Lucifer, you know, Isaiah chapter 14, you read about, uh, Ezekiel chapter 28, Lucifer, Satan, lifted up his voice and his pride against God, and he said, I will ascend above the Most High. Five times he said, I will. Uh, you find that in Isaiah chapter 14. That's why in your Bible, five became the number of death. It's interesting. It's interesting that that's even carried over into modern-day society. You know, I'm told that, that uh, to this day in the U.S. Navy, the distress number is five. In Genesis chapter 5 and verse 5, you have the first natural death recorded, and Adam died. It's probably just a coincidence, you know. Don't get too excited about your Bible. You might just become a fanatic, <laughs> you know. You know, someone might come along and even say you're weird. Uh, well, in the midst of this elevation of pride, there was a demotion, a rather serious one. And the earth was thrust into a condition of chaos. Lucifer's kingdom was in the same identical position. Well, Satan lost his crown. And as we read over in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3 and on through the rest of the chapter, uh, we, read a, we read about a recreation. And last week we examined why we know it's a recreation. Those are biblical reasons, not necessarily scientific reasons. I mean, if science agrees with the Bible, then hey, amen for science. If science disagrees with the Bible, well, then science is wrong. It's as simple as that. Now, what we read about is a recreation. We know that Satan was deposed, but he's entitled the prince of the power of the air. And that's why on the second day of, of uh, recreation, when God created the firmament, the atmosphere that we have, you know, where the constellations, the stars, the galaxies are, God couldn't say that that day was good. In every other day of recreation, the statement is made in the book of Genesis, and God saw that it was good, and God saw that it was good, and God said that it was good. But God didn't say it right there, not on the second day. Do you know why? Because that's where Satan lives. He's the prince of the power of the air. That's why. So we move from a creation to a chaotic condition because of pride to a recreation. And you know what God did at the end of that recreation? On the sixth day, he created a new king. His name is Adam. God made him a king, which we'll see in a little while. The Bible teaches us that man was created in God's image. All right, take your Bible and turn with me over to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. Okay. Let, um, you know what? Let's go to verse 26. Let's look in verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. And by the way, you'll, you'll notice that us 
is a plural pronoun. Let us make man in our image. Now, I don't think God was speaking to the angels here either. Let us make man in our image. So do you know who God spoke to? He spoke to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, the Trinity. There's always been a Trinity. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So the first thing that we notice is that man was given an image and the image was of God. So God created man in his own image. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So man was created in the image of God. So now what is the image of God? Well, as you examine the Word of God, you'll find out that the image of God is none other, none other than Jesus Christ. He is the image of God. Now, an image is something that has um, physical substance to it, right? Jesus Christ is God made manifest in the flesh, the Bible tells us. Amen? We talked about that earlier. Adam was so Christ-like. All right, now I want you to understand this. Adam was so Christ-like that Jesus Christ is referred to in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as the second Adam. That's what the Holy Spirit calls him in that chapter, the second Adam. Well, how was he Christ-like? He was Christ-like in the respect that he was made in God's image, and he was a trichotomy. That means that he has three parts, okay? He had a body. Now, the body, of course, was the dust from, from where God made him. Uh, the body is referred to as dust on a number of occasions. For example, uh, Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse 25, you know, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. The body goes back to the dust. So when we have a funeral service, right, you know, praise the Lord, you know, there's hope and comfort when we bury a Christian. Because, uh, you know, what's before us is, is not the real individual, but an empty shell. The empty shell goes back to the dust from whence it came. But that's not the real person. That's simply a tabernacle. Yet this tabernacle is pictured in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, our flesh is different from his flesh. For we can identify with that. Paul said when, when, he, Paul said when, when he said, um, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. The soul is the real individual. In the sense that it, that it is the, the I am. The real you is housed in the soul. Now, have you ever thought about that? You know, God said, I am that I am. And it corresponds with the Father in type. It constitutes the image which no man hath seen nor can see. Now, if you know about your Bible, you can find all kinds of, contra all kinds of these contradictions, okay? Now, here's one. The Bible says that no man hath seen God at any time. Yet Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Now, a lot of people saw Jesus, right? Amen? 
right? So the reconciliation is in understanding the trichotomy or the trinity. All right, now your soul, you haven't seen it, right? I hope you haven't seen it. But I'm going to tell you something. It's still there. It's still there, even though you haven't seen it. As a matter of fact, it, it, it's so real. It, it's so real that you know, I wouldn't gamble with it. I wouldn't take any chances with it because just because you haven't seen it. You know, a man says, uh, a man that says, you know, I don't believe in anything I can't see is an absolute fool. He's an absolute fool. First of all, the Bible says, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. All right, but let me ask you a few more questions, okay? Have you ever seen electricity? Have you? Of course you haven't. You say, well, yeah, sure I have. It's right up there. You know, this, the ceiling fan that's going around, uh, you know, the light that's, that's on. That's not electricity. Do you know what that is? That's a manifestation of electricity. But that's not electricity. You know, when our air conditions are, are turned on and, you know, uh, you know, and then you get cold and you kind of you know, stand around there and chatter, you know, and especially if like you're in church, like, uh, you know, because this happened before. I, I remember this back when, when I was preaching in New York, you know, we turned on the ACs in the building and uh, some of the ladies there got, so, got really cold and they put their coats on and they kind of just stood around and, you know, and, you know, started to chitter and chatter and, you know, teeth started coming together and, you know, they, they do it in an, ob- in, in an obvious way so that the preacher would notice, you know, and then, and then they hope that you ask, that he'll ask someone to turn it down or something. But you know something? You don't see the electricity generating those things. You don't. You feel a manifestation of the electricity. But nobody's ever seen electricity. But you believe in it, don't you? I mean, you have some of it in your house, don't you? I hope so. So if you have some of it in your house, you believe in it, don't you? Well, sure you do. You haven't seen your soul, but it's real. Jesus said, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? It's a very valuable thing. Don't gamble with it, folks. Don't gamble with it. Now, your soul is invisible, and it looks just like you. John said in the book of Revelation that... Uh, he saw the souls of those that were beheaded for Jesus under the altar of God. They were dead. Their bodies were in the grave. But he knew them. He identified them. And they were the souls, according to the statement made by the Holy Spirit. My soul, whatever it is, whatever it looks like, cleaveth. That, is, that means it sticks Genesis chapter 2, it's of God that man and woman cleave together and become man and wife, you know, stick together to the dust. You know, man is like a tire, okay? Uh, uh, The body is the tire, okay? The outside shell is the body. The inner tube conforms to to the image of the tire, right? That's the soul. So the problem with the unsaved, unconverted, unregenerate, depraved man is that the soul is stuck to the flesh, and therefore the soul is held accountable for the sins of the flesh. That's why, um, you know, oftentimes in, in the Old Testament, the words soul and body are used synonymously. And, um, 
you know, if you stop and think about that, it kind of makes sense because no man in the Old Testament experienced spiritual circumcision. No man experienced the operation of God made without hands over in Colossians chapter 2. You know, the cutting away of the flesh by the operation of God. Nobody ever experienced that. And that's why uh, the, the, the saints of the Old Testament who died could not go directly to heaven. They couldn't go directly to heaven. But rather, there was a place that God had prepared for them, and it was called paradise. That's where Lazarus went in Luke chapter 16. Now you, now, now you say, well, there were some excep- exceptions to that. Well, Enoch was an exception. But you know something? The exception only proves the rule. Do you know who Enoch was a type of? Enoch is a type of the people of people who will never die. He's a type of the individual in the church who's saved and knows the Lord. That's who Enoch is. Enoch is a type of that individual who's saved, knows the Lord, and, and when the rap and when the rapture comes, they're gone. That's what Enoch is a type of. Uh, and by the way, Enoch lived in a dispensation of grace. He didn't live under the law. He lived before the law. And God took him, and he was no more. And you know something? I can't wait. I can't wait. You know, Lord willing and all things being equal, I think I'm going to be an Enoch. I mean, honestly, folks, you know, I, I am really ready to blow this deal. I, I really am. And, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I wouldn't mind if I didn't get to finish this message tonight. You know, it wouldn't bother me a bit. And I'm sure that there's somebody out there going right now saying, oh, praise the Lord. That'd be nice, huh? All right, well, then there's the spirit. Okay, there's the spirit. So Adam was created in three parts, body, soul, and spirit. When Adam was created, his soul wasn't stuck to his flesh. It had a separate identity. It kind of like, you know, floated within, so to speak. Until the fall. Until the fall. That's when his soul cleaved to his flesh. That's when his soul became glued or or, or stuck to that wicked flesh. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. That's when Adam experienced total depravity. That's when Adam experienced death. That's when that happened. Then the spirit. Then the spirit. As, uh, as wind or, or air is common to all men, says 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. And it's common to animals, by the way. The Spirit was characterized by, as the breath of life. Now, until you get this straight, you can easily get confused. You know, I was talking to somebody once, and, and they were being a little critical of the Word of God and, and talking about the Spirit. So I said, you know, that even animals have a Spirit. And he said, oh, you can't say that. You can't prove that. And I said, you can. You can prove it in the Bible. If you go over to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, animals have spirits. It's the breath of life. But after the fall, it's a dead spirit in the sense that it needs to be born again. God said to Adam, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So he did die. That's exactly what happened. You can count on it. Well, let's talk a little bit about the innocence of man. That's what we're talking about, this 
dispensation of innocence. God created a king, and he created him in the image of God. And he gave him a spiritual kingdom in the sense that he called him a son of God. Now look with me over in Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 and um, verse uh, 38. Luke chapter 3, verse 38. Which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. But you know, when you're over in the book of Genesis and you start reading about Seth, and you start reading about the line, they're now the sons of Adam. They're the sons of Adam. And you get that and you, and you get over to Genesis chapter five, and it doesn't say that they were made in God's image. Now, how many times have you heard someone say, you know, whether it's the liberal liberal clergy, theologians, uh, you know, the news media, how many times have you heard them say, Well, after all, man is made in God's image? No, he's not. No, he's not. No, he's not. Adam was made in God's image. Adam. But when he sinned, he lost that image. So do you know whose image you're made in? Adam's image. Not God's image. Just like Seth was in Adam's image. You and I are in Adam's image. Wherefore, as by, sin, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. God gave Adam a spiritual crown, in that he was a son of God. Now, if you think about that for a minute, and focus on that, it'll start to make sense to you. What did God give you when you became a son of God? He gave you a crown, too. You haven't seen it yet, but don't worry about it. You will. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He gave you a part of, of a kingdom, too. You're a king in a spiritual sense. But also, God gave Adam a physical crown. He gave him a crown over the kingdom of heaven, which is physical. Now, we're not going to examine all the reasons why right now, but uh, when we get further on into the series, we will. Now, it's a physical kingdom in that he gave him dominion over all the earth. He gave him dominion over the fowls of the air, did he not? Over the fish of the sea, the beasts of the earth. He gave him dominion over everything. Now, what's man, what man is trying to desperately regain and you know something? You can see it everywhere you look in society today. What man is trying to regain is what he lost in the fall. Man is desperately trying to regain what he once had. Now, if you stop and think about it for a minute, uh, you know, man is trying to uh, create the illusion that he has dominion. That's why you have the environmental movement, you know, or all those TV shows like, uh, do you remember the show? What was it called? The Tiger King? Uh, or you have some guy that that goes swimming with sharks, or you got some some guy that lives out in the woods with the bears. Come on, grizzly bear, follow me. And all the little raccoons and the wolves and the deer, and you know they all just kind of tag along. You know what the Indian window with it 
do you know what the innuendo there is? They're trying to recreate what man lost. But that's what Adam had. I mean, you know, he got his feet scratched by the rough tongue of that old lion, you know, laying there in the garden in the cool of the night. You know, that old lion comes up, licks the bottom of his feet, you know, tickles them good for him. You know, then here comes a polar bear and he cuddles up next to him to keep him warm on a cool night. Man, he had it made. I mean, you talk about having it made. I mean, he had it made. You know, Adam's dogs didn't even bark. And that's what I call having it made. That's for sure. You know, so he had dominion. Everything was under his control. Everything was under his auspices. Well, God gave this man everything you could possibly want or imagine. He gave him a garden of absolute matchless delight. He gave him a place and a companion of, of, of indescribable beauty. You know what man is trying to do? He's trying to recapture what he lost in the garden. Do you know what women are trying to do? They're trying to recapture what they lost in the garden. Do you know how I know that? I know that because the beauty aid industry makes billions and billions of dollars. I mean, you know, Eve didn't need to put anything on her lips because they were already naturally beautiful. She didn't need to put any color on her face because it was there naturally. She didn't need a girdle. She didn't need to dye her hair because it was just perfect the way God made it. You know, she didn't need all the things. I mean, do you, do you know what ladies are trying to do today? They're trying to reclaim what they lost. I mean, really, if you want to make a lot of money... Just sit down with your Bible and examine all the things that man lost and all the things he's trying to get back and get in the market of selling that kind of merchandise. Boy, I'm telling you, you're going to make a fortune. Because the innate craving and desire of man is to get back what he lost. All man desires and longs for is that wonderful, beautiful utopia, paradise, that, that, that garden that, that God put man in. And does he and how he tries to recreate it. You know, he, he tries to recreate it in, in his own backyard. You know, we all do that. Well, why do we do that? You know, why do we like to put shrubs in front of our house and, and, and roses and daisies and lilies and why do we do that? Well you say, Well, we're just trying to beautify the place. No. No, we're trying to recapture what we lost. That's what we're trying to do. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Man lost a great deal. Man lost a great deal. He was in a marvelous state. Absolutely all of the conditions were ideal. Well, what else did God give man? Well, he gave him crowns. And man lost those crowns. You know, we've talked about, and we're going to examine in every dispensation, you know, one of the, one of the important things of understanding this series um, one of the important things to understand in this series, and, and, and that is how does man obtain salvation? How does man obtain salvation? He had a fantastic, perfect physical setting. He had a perfect mate. He had perfect conditions. He had a perfect situ situation. He, in the terminology of the world, 
had it made. I mean, he had everything, everything you can possibly want. I mean, how would you like to go to bed every night on a mattress of lilies and orchids? That's what Adam did. How would you like to be surrounded 24 hours a day, 365 days a year by the fragrance of lilacs and not be allergic to them? That's what Adam did. How would you like to not have to sweat by your face? Not your brow, by the way. You know, you hear that, you know, by the sweat of your brow. The Bible doesn't say brow. By the sweat of your brow. That's just another one of those verses that's always misquoted. It doesn't say that. It says by the sweat of your face. You know, God doesn't want you to get just a little damp up there. He wants you to really sweat. Adam was put there as a tender of a garden, but apparently it was easy work. You know, there wasn't a whole lot to it because the sweat didn't come until after the fall. You know, and, and, and to have food available just for the picking and have eternal life. Yes, eternal life. You know what Ponce de Leon was looking for when he went up and down the coast of Florida searching for the fountain of youth. And it was contained in the fruit of, a, of the tree of life. And all he had to do was go over and pick whatever it was and eat it. Now tell me, tell me. Man, in all of his efforts, isn't trying to recapture what he lost? Man is constantly trying to figure out how he could live longer. You know, you know, man today, men today are having their bodies frozen on death and put in frozen vaults with the hopes that one day science will invent a way to get them an injection and bring them back to life. Man is constantly trying to recapture what he lost in the garden. You know, men today are trying to avoid work trying to recapture what he lost. You know, men today are creating imitation gardens of Eden. You know, why is it that Disney is such a popular place? Well, you say, you know, it's because of all the rides and all the interesting things they have down there. Well, I don't think it's that so much. I think people like to go there because they have a whole bunch of people running around picking up every little piece of trash and they keep it absolutely spotless. They go there because they have flowers and bushes and trees and shrubs, and it looks so nice. It's a proverbial paradise. Why is it that the whole world can't be that way? Why is it that there are so many ghettos and dirt and filth and slime and disease and all the rest of it? You know, if you can, if you can create a little imitation paradise, you'll get people to come and look at it. Because man has a great desire to recapture what he lost. And he lost a great deal. And most importantly, most importantly, he lost the gift of eternal life. Now, how did he have this gift? And we're going to define salvation through this entire series as the gift of eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, salvation is eternal life. Eternal life is salvation. What did Adam have to do to be saved in this age of innocence? Well, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. He had to do two things, and that's all. You know, he didn't have to join a church. Of course, you know, you've never had to do that in any age. He didn't have to get baptized. He didn't have to keep any sacraments. He didn't have to obey the golden rule. There wasn't a golden rule. 
He didn't have to keep the Ten Commandments. They hadn't even been written. All he had to do was obey God according to the information and the light that God had given him and partake of the tree of life. That's all he had to do. So salvation by obedience. Now what did God tell him? He said, I'm going to put you in this garden and I want you to take care of it. And he said, there's one thing you ought to know. And that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Thou shalt not partake of it. Well, how do I know that the tree of life... um, You know what? Look in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, Adam had fallen. And God had clothed him in skins of animals that had died. They were innocent and their blood had been shed. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So Adam found a a temporary atonement. He found a remission. But he had lost eternal life as he had it before. All right, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever... Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So what the Bible indicates here is the possibility that eternal life was extended even beyond the fall of Adam, even after he lost his crowns. You know, if he could somehow get a hold of the tree of life. All right, now take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation and chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, and this we looked at this just a couple of weeks ago, and we read about the tree of life. Now, we read about the tree of life in the first book of our Bible, in the first chapters of that book. And then we read about the tree of life in the last book of our Bible, in the last chapter of our Bible. Revelation 22 and verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. All right, now where is this? Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time on this because in, in the, in, we've already looked at this a few weeks ago in our Revelation series, and we're going to look at it again in the last study of this series. Uh, you know, We'll get into it again there. But, um, but where is this taking place? Where is this? It's in eternity. You know, clear out on the other side of the millennium. Clear out on the other side of the great white throne judgment. You know, way out into eternity is where we are in Revelation 22. All right, now get this. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Without, without. Do you know what the universe will be someday when God gets done? It's going to be an enclosed but ever-expanding system. A closed system, but always expanding. And do you know where death and hell are going to be cast into? Well, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is described as outer darkness. Outer darkness where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. 
and the dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and uh, whosoever loveth and maketh a lie are all going to be on the outside. On the outside, ever-expanding. But blessed are they that do his commandments. Right? Sounds very familiar. Do my commandments, Adam. Be obedient, that they may have the right to the tree of life. And, you know, you read this, and you kind of almost get the idea that the Bible goes in a circle. You know, you'd, you'd almost get the idea that someday this whole thing is going to end up exactly the way it started. And that would leave, lead someone to believe, if they got any sense, that God will, in fact, finish what he purposed to do. Now, what was that? Now, as we examined last week, and as we examined in the book of Revelation study, uh, we looked at what God's original purpose and intention. Well, that purpose is described in Isaiah 45 and verse 18, and that is to inhabit the heavens and the earth. And don't you know that God's going to do it? He's going to do it. And evidently it doesn't occur to people about, you know, what would have happened. And, and, you know, we don't build theology on supposition. But just think with me here for a minute. All right? Theological doodling. All right? What would have happened if Adam had not fallen? If Adam would have continued in the position of having the crown over the kingdom of heaven, the physical crown, and if he would have been obedient, uh, to the Lord, you know, and before the fall of man, Adam was given these instructions. Adam was told to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the face of the earth. Now, can you imagine just what would have taken place? I mean, just think about the multiplication table. Here's a man who's a perfect specimen of a man. He doesn't get old because he has eternal life. You know, he's probably like 33 and a half years old perpetually. Right, And he has a wife who is a perfect specimen of a woman. I mean, that's what all the guys are looking for, right? Well, forget it, man. <laughs> forget it. You're in the wrong age. The wrong age. Now, I know he has perfect health. There's no such thing as cancer, heart problems, disease. There's no such thing as the common cold, COVID. Uh, no such thing as sinus, headaches, hay fever. You know, I'm convinced that God allows me to have all the problems I have just to keep me reminded that this old flesh is just dirt. I'm convinced of that. Did you ever stop to think about what man is trying to regain? Did you ever hear of a vegetarian? Vegetarian is the ancient word for lousy hunter. Did you ever hear of a fruititarian? Did you ever think about what man is trying to regain. You know, folks, look, to each his own, okay? You're free to do whatever you want to do. You know, some folks think they're going to get back what they lost. They, they're they going to get the, the perfect body by eating fruit because Adam ate fruit. But you have to understand something. There, there, there's a basic difference. Before the fall, Adam was in a perfect body, and you're living in an imperfect body. And I do not care how much grapefruit you eat. Okay? You know, a, a piece of good advice is this. As long as this hunk of flesh is depraved, as long as it's going back to the dust anyway, as long as it's eaten up with worms anyway, you know, just let loose and enjoy a tomahawk steak one day. <laughs> you know? 
you know, cut loose and suck down a couple of Big Macs. You know, go ahead. <laughs> Do it. You know, you might as well fall into sin. You need something to pray about anyway, right? <laughs> no, don't take that literally, okay? <laughs> don't, don't get carried away with that statement, you know? I mean, but you get the idea, right? You know, God's going in a circle. And that's exactly what's going to happen. You know, we're all living, you know, um, between Genesis 1-3 and Revelation 22. Uh, all we're living in is, is a six or 7,000-year parenthesis. That's all it is. And, I mean, do you know what 7,000 years is to God? It's just seven days. The Bible says that a day is a 1,000 years and a 1,000 years is a day. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8. That's all it is. There's nothing to it, man. That's fast. That's quick. You know what God's going to do? He's going to continue on with his plan and his program to populate the heavens and the earth. He told Adam to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the face of the earth. But there was one problem. God wouldn't allow a sinful population, a sinful humanity to pollute the heavens. Therefore, the sin problem, the sin question, the sin issue had to be dealt with before God went on with his original purpose of populating the heavens and the earth. Did you ever read what God said over in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7? Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. You know, a lot of people put that in the context of only time. Well, you know, his kingdom will be eternal. Well, I've got news for you. His kingdom will be more than eternal. His kingdom is going to be ever-expanding, ever-growing. God's going to do exactly what he purposed to do. So, you know, we see that whole thing just travels in a circle. And when it ends up, Salvation will be obtained in the same way that it was when it began. Obedience and partaking of the tree of life. All right, folks, this is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Uh, we're going to take our last break here. And uh, when we come back, we'll continue on and, uh, and pretty much start to wrap up this study of the age of innocence, this dispensation, this Edenic dispensation. Folks, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this with your friends, your family, and your followers. This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast, and we'll be back right after this. Don't go away. The sky above us would never turn gray, but life isn't always sunshine. We have times that leave us asking why, and when the clouds roll in and tears begin to fall, there must be a reason for it all. will never waste our pain he brings beauty out of brokenness and hope to our heartache here 
building out of every hurt that invades our shattered world. We never walk through trials in vain. He's the Redeemer of the It's in the middle of the storm we learn to trust that He is always watching over us. Redeemer of the rain, the Lord will never waste our pain. He brings beauty out of brokenness and hope to our heartache. Healing out of every hurt that invades our shattered world. We never walk through trials in vain. He's a redeemer of the rain. Dark days we walk through. And hold to our heartache Healing out of every hurt That invades our shattered world We never walk through trials in vain We've known His mercy long enough to say He's the Redeemer of the forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, 
and my burden is light. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Amen, amen, and amen. Welcome back, folks, to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Rusiello, and we are talking about uh, the age of innocence, the dispensation of innocence, the Edenic time period. And uh, we're talking about, uh, uh, oh, we're talking about Revelation uh, chapter 22. We were talking about how, uh, uh, how uh, this whole thing travels in a circle. And uh, we were talking about how when everything all ends up, salvation is going to be obtained in the same way it was when it began, uh, by obedience and partaking of the tree of life. Now, would you take your Bible and turn with me over to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. John, chapter 15. Did it ever occur to you that the tree of life could possibly be synonymous with a person? I mean, did you ever wonder about what that tree of life was in the garden? Did you ever wonder what the tree of life is going to be in Revelation chapter 22? Is it possible 
Is it possible for a tree to be synonymous with a person? John chapter 15 and verse 1. I am the true vine. And by the way, Ezekiel calls a vine a tree. I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. This is Jesus speaking. Did you ever notice that over in Zechariah, he's called the branch? Now, I wonder if it's possible. I do. I just wonder if it's possible that a tree could be synonymous with a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, you say, I don't believe such a thing to be true. Well, I know one thing. I know one thing. A book is synonymous with Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You say, well, they're two different things. Well, I know they're two different things. I know you can't differentiate between the two, and I know you can differentiate between the two. They're different, and yet they're the same. All right? Well, let's talk about the fall for a little bit, and then we'll wrap this up for tonight. All right, now here's Adam with two crowns. Okay, and he lost his crowns. He lost his spiritual crown, and consequently, that crown went back to God, and that crown went back to the second Adam. And that crown was not made available again to man. That crown that would restore man to God's image until Jesus came. And uh, that's exactly the crown he discussed with Nicodemus when he said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So for 4,000 years, man had lost the kingdom of God. Now, he had the kingdom of heaven from time to time, as we shall see. Uh, that is, he had a physical kingdom. By the time Jesus came along and John the Baptist came along, Israel had also lost that kingdom. It was John that said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They lost it. The physical kingdom and the possession of man was totally lost and reverted right back to Satan. Now, as you examine history, you discover that, um, that all of the 6,000-year history of humanity is a battle over the crown of a physical kingdom. And as you study your Bible, you'll notice and you'll discover that the major subject in your Bible is not salvation. I mean, praise the Lord that it's in there. But it really deals with the subject of kingdoms. You find that Bible sheds more light on sociology and history than any other book on the face of the globe. You'll discover that the Bible will tell you why there is such a struggle in politics and why there's a constant struggle for world power and dominion and the kingdoms. Tell me, why is it that the Russians so desperately want to rule the world? Why is it that China so desperately wants to rule the world? Why is it? Why is it that that someone so desperately wants to infringe upon the rights and benefits of others and impose upon them a form of government that those people don't even want? If you don't believe that's happening, man, I'm telling you something, you really live in a sheltered world. Did you ever hear of Taiwan? What about Poland? Can you offer me a good explanation as, uh, of why that is? Well, why is that? Why is it that the Romans imposed their government upon people who didn't want it? 
Why is it that the Babylonians imposed their government and their way of life upon people who didn't want it? Why did the Greeks do it? Why did the Persians and the Medes do it? Why did the Egyptians do it? Can you honestly offer me a good explanation? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. For 6,000 years, there's been a struggle over the physical crown. Lucifer lost it way back in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 and, verse, and, uh, and 1 verse 2. And he's desperately trying to regain it. That's the reason for the temptation in the garden. When he said, yea, hath God said. It was all an effort to regain and recapture the crown that he lost when God gave him dominion over a perfect earth. In his rebellion, he lost it, and he's desperately trying to regain it. And from time to time, God has allowed him to have it. You know, by right of forfeit, he's gotten it back. He possesses it right now by right of forfeit, so to speak. In a sense, through the allowance of God. And, 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 and he possessed it after Adam fell. After a little while, God took it from him and gave it to a guy named Noah. And Noah came along, and God gave the same commission to Noah. He said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the face of the earth. And God gave him dominion over all the animals. You know, the animals walked into Noah's ark, and Noah was in charge. And Noah fell into sin, just like Adam fell into sin. And consequently, he lost the crown. And then God came along and said, all right, I'm going to put the crown in the hands of a man based upon an unconditional covenant. It's going to be a covenant of grace. And I'm going to give it to that man and his seed. And, that it, and it's not going to be based upon his works, but rather grace. And that man was Abraham. Hence, the attack of the world from that day to this has been upon Abraham and his seed. Tell me something. Why? Why did Hitler kill six million Jews? Tell me, tell me why millions of Jews suffered and died in the Spanish Inquisition. Tell me why the attack has been on the nation of Israel for so many years. Why is it that so many Arabs hate such a tiny little nation? Tell me why the majority of people in the world are anti-Semitic. Why are just a few people, relatively speaking, why are just a few people the center of the world's attention? Tell me, tell me why it is, in, in the midst of all that persecution and disbursement, that they've been able to retain their national bloodline and identity. If you don't believe the Bible, you just don't have any viable explanation for what's going on in the world today. But if you believe the Word of God, a lot of things start to make sense. You know, you watch the news and you see the Arab world ready to cut Israel's throat again. You, you know what I say? Not that I'm against Israel. I'm not at all. But I say amen. That just means that the time is drawing near. You know, a lot of people are critical of the Bible. But, you know, the more intellectual crowd will go all the way back to the beginning and they'll think the thing through. They'll say, now, wait a minute. If there really is such a thing as creation, and we didn't arrive here by evolution, and if God really created a man, and if the story of the Bible is true and man fell, and all of the woes of mankind and the curse that are upon us today, if all of that is true, then isn't it really God's fault? Can't we really blame God? 
Well, I'll tell you what. You know, the, the, the great, great desire of man today is to blame God for everything. God, why did you allow this to happen to me? You know, we blame God for so many things. And so the depraved heart of man wants to reach out and blame God for this. God allowed man to fall so we can blame God. We can blame God. Now I'm going to I'm going to bring a few points up to you here and I just want you to follow along and if you want to you know if you want to write these things down if you if you can't write it all down just make sure you download the episode later when it comes up as 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 the podcast um but uh you know from time I I'm going to do this because from time to time you're going to run into people with this kind of an argument and I want to show you a line of reasoning that you could use that that really just cannot be dealt with except by just total acceptance or, you know, honestly, by total rejection. All right? Number one. Number one. Why did God make the heaven and the earth? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Well, he made them to be inhabited. You know, um, you know this, this is a nasty turn of events. Can it be that the Bible and the unregenerate, unregenerate scholars, scientists, and philosophers and historians have the same plan? Is that possible? If God made them and God is perfect, why did he not make them perfect? Well, he did make them perfect. Just go back and notice that uh, you know, verses uh, 3 to 28 are dealing with a recreation of a former creation, which was finished in verse 1. Even Satan was created perfect in Ezekiel 28, verse 15, not as a serpent or as a devil, but as a cherubim. All right, number three, if God made them perfect... Why are they not perfect now? Because something happened between Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and Genesis 1, verse 3 to the physical creation. And something happened, again, between Genesis 2, verse 7, and Genesis three thirteen to the spiritual creation. The first man and woman. They fell into sin. They willfully disobeyed God. All right, so if God is perfect and loves perfection, why did he not prevent this something from happening? Because although the material creation was perfect, the man that God created was not perfect. He was only sinless, but not perfect. All right, now folks, get that. There's a difference between being perfect and being sinless. He hadn't been tested. Untested sinlessness. All right, number five. Didn't God know the result of the test before it occurred? If he's perfect, he must have known. Well, yeah, good thinking, and he did. Acts chapter 15, verse 18 tells us that. He knew Adam would fall, and knowing this, he gave him a freedom of will and of choice so he could or could not fall. All right, then, then is not God indirectly or directly to blame for what, he took, for what took place in his creation at the start? All right, well, yeah, God is to blame. There's no point in being squeamish about it. God could have prevented sin from entering and didn't. Then, okay, so if you go with that, then is not God responsible for Adam's sin and the mess that man finds himself in? And the answer to that question is no. God does not tempt any man, neither can he be tempted. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and is enticed. James chapter 1, verse 13. 
All right, then who tempted Adam? Eve. Genesis chapter 3, 4 to 6. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 12 to 14. Well, who tempted Eve? The serpent. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Who tempted the serpent? Who tempted the serpent if it wasn't God himself? All right, well, before the serpent was a serpent, he was not a serpent, but a cherubim. And he was drawn away of his own lust and enticed to put his own will above the will of God. You'll find that over in Ezekiel chapter 28 and Isaiah chapter 14. All right, so if God is eternal and knew the end from the beginning, he, he, would, have, he would have prevented the Lucifer of Isaiah 14 from falling to the level of a serpent. All right, well, that's true. God lets a lot of things fall in order to work out his original plan, Romans chapter 11. Then God is not only responsible for man's sin, but the serpents also, since he allowed both to take place. Isn't that right? All right, so if I say yes, then what? What then? Then Darwin and Marx are right. There is no God, Psalm 14, verse 1, because a God that is so imperfect that he's responsible for imperfection, is not perfect. All right, well, let me ask you a question then. Suppose God remedied the entire thing and made right what was wrong. If he does that, then doesn't he clear himself of all guilt and responsibility in that, in that whole matter? Do you follow me? And you see, that's the reasoning that the world uses. The bottom line of it is, a God that allowed imperfection to arise or exist is not a perfect God. Well, then how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? Well, I'm going to show you how you deal with it. And I'm going to show you how to deal with it with how God de dealt with it. Now, suppose God remedied the entire thing. Suppose he cleared himself of all responsibility and guilt in the matter. Suppose God did that. Now, I want you to think with me for a moment. Okay, just think with me here. If God is perfect, then love must be one of his attributes. Now, if love is an attribute, and 1 John says it is, God is love, then this love must be a perfect love. Now, a perfect love cannot be a selfish love. You know, most love that mankind knows anything about is selfish in nature. You know, that is, it's is some kind of desire to satisfy our own selves and the lusts of our flesh and the cravings of our own heart. But that's not a perfect love, for a perfect love is entirely selfless. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God said, you know, I need to display and exercise my attribute of love. Because God is perfect, his love is perfect. Therefore, it's a selfless, selfless love. You know, when God loves, he doesn't look for someone that can give love in return that will satisfy a craving or desire of him. He loves in a perfect way. You know, what did God see in you and I that he found attractive? You know, he looked upon my heart and he saw that it was deceitful and desperately wicked. You know, what does God see in a Miss America that's attractive? Do you, know, do you know why you find something attractive? Because it's just one hunk of depraved flesh looking at another hunk of depraved flesh. That's what it is. You know, but what does God 
see in, you know, Mr. Universe? <laughs> you know, what does God see in that? He doesn't see anything attractive in that. You know, God looks on the heart. What does God see that's attractive in you? Absolutely nothing, if you know anything about your Bible. But you know something? God loved you anyway. God loved you in spite of it. That's a perfect love. It's non-discriminating. It's a perfect love. You know, God is colorblind. God doesn't see black, white, yellow, or red. God loves all of us just as much. It's a perfect love. He had to have a way to exercise that perfect love, so he put that love upon him, upon man. But in return, if, if man isn't going to be an auto man, you know, man also has to exercise that love, and, and so man, by the very nature of the thing, has to have a choice. That's the eternal triangle that takes place, and, and man is given a choice. Man has a choice. He says, either I'll either love God or I'll love the devil. Oh, wait a second. I don't love the devil. Don't be so sure. Don't be so sure. Did you ever tell a lie? Do you know who the father of all lies is? Did you ever hate? Do you know who the father of hatred is? Did you ever covet? Do you know who the father of covetousness is? Did you ever steal? Do you know who the father of thieves is? And so God purposely allowed evil to enter into this world so that man could have a choice by exercising his own free will and eliminating the auto man. Man then had the opportunity to choose. Just like you have the opportunity to choose. The judgment. Adam died spiritually, immediately, exactly as God said. And then physically in due time. His death was passed on from generation to generation. His children were born in his image, not God's. He lost his spiritual crown. He lost his physical crown. And his dominion was cursed. I mean, sin brings terrible consequences, doesn't it? Brings terrible, terrible consequences. Now, Lord willing, next week we're going to begin to examine what happened to those crowns, and we're going to enter into a new dispensation. You know, we've examined the dispensation of innocence and the fall. But next week, Lord willing, we're going to get into, a, into the dis- dispensation of conscience. You know, man didn't have a written book. He had to operate on the conscience that God gave him. And we're going to find out what God held man responsible to. And, and, and for, you know, through the, and we're going to find out what man, what God held man responsible to and for through the working of the conscience in his mind. But you know, there are people today that don't have a written book, but they still have a conscience. And God will hold them accountable for certain things. You know, God gave you a conscience. Now, I don't know what your conscience has said to you lately, but I know that if you don't have assurance of eternal life and salvation, you're going to die and go to hell without Jesus Christ. 
You need to trust him as your Savior and Lord. You need to get your image restored. And you know who's in the business of restoring the image? As long as Adam had the image, he had eternal life. When he lost the image, he lost eternal life. Do you know who restores the image? Adam too. Jesus Christ. Churches don't restore it. Religion doesn't restore it. Jesus restores it. That's why, you'll, that's why you never will get the satisfaction that everyone in this world is crashing around looking for until you look for, to Jesus. You know, you might go to Disney World a thousand times. You know, you might live in a proverbial paradise. But you will never have what you really want and satisfy your heart until you go back to the fellow that can give you what you lost, the image of God. Except the man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for tonight. We want to thank you for this lesson on the age of innocence and this dispensation of innocence. Heavenly Father, we just pray tonight that if there's anybody listening that does not have the assurance of their salvation, that doesn't have the assurance of eternal life, that tonight they would trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior, and they'll get their image restored. Father, we are so thankful that churches don't restore it. We're so thankful that religion doesn't restore it. We're thankful, Lord, that can only be restored by Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, your word tells us that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Father, we pray for those tonight that they would be born again so that they can see the kingdom of God. And that image that was lost will be restored. Father, we thank you for tonight. We ask you to please continue to bless the preaching and the teaching of your holy word. Father, we ask you to uh, just protect us as we go out into the world for the remainder of this week and bring us together again on Sunday for our Sermon Sunday. And we will thank you and we will praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And amen. Well, folks, that will do it for our Thursday night Bible study. I want to say thank you so much for your prayers and thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I know we went over for a little bit, but uh, why don't you head on over to our website, SortOfTheSpiritPodcast.com, click on that contact section, and send us over any comments or questions. Also, don't forget to look for that Support This Podcast button. And if you can help us out with a recurring monthly contribution or a one-time, we'd appreciate it. Until next time, win the lost, no matter the cost. You've been listening to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. If you have any questions or comments, visit our website at swordofthespiritpodcast.com and send us a message. Or email us directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Until next time, God bless you and good day.